Welcome to the Nutrigenomic Nation podcast with Brian Highfield, certified nutritionist, author, speaker, and founder of multiple successful companies in the health world. Brian is known for educating healthcare professionals and others on improving their health and their life through breakthroughs in nutrition, technology, and biochemistry. On the podcast, Brian interviews thought leaders in the world of nutrition and natural health. He and his guests share the secrets of a whole life natural approach to health and the life-altering results you can get by making easy changes to your diet and daily routine. Well, welcome to another episode of Nutrigenomic Nation, where we talk about nutritional-based healthcare technology and emerging trends related to your genetic health. So with us today, we have another great guest with us. We have Dr. Melanie. She is a naturopathic doctor. She helps people understand their lives and bodies better so they can receive the precise care that they need. After having gut health problems over half her life, Dr. Melanie uses her expertise in gut health and epigenetic intuition to get results. So welcome, Dr. Melanie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, first question, I want to know a little bit more about you. So uh, what can you tell us about your background? I mean, how did you get to the point of wanting to be a naturopathic doctor? Well, sure. So up until the age of six, my family, because of the government, moved around quite a bit. And we ended up in uh, Washington, D.C. My parents got a divorce and we and my mom took me to rural Alaska. <laughs> OK, <laughs> like zero stoplights, uh-huh. uh, populate me you on know, my first grade class had 22 people. I graduated with those same 22 people. So I grew up with this pristine biohacking lifestyle. My family was in commercial fishing, um, spring water from the mountain, et cetera, family co-op lifestyle. And yet I was still overweight as a child into puberty and adulthood. In fact, when puberty hit, I had debilitating um, migraines. And while on college campus, there was a breakout of meningitis and I was on the workup and just saw all the cha-ching dollar signs of at the time, right, deductibles for my family because for me to get a workup, it was the family had to fly to Seattle and, you know, hotels, et cetera. So I just kind of shoved it under and would do a lot of alternative therapies from acupressure, um, adjustments, diet, you know, more fiber, all these things that kind of just made things worse. (laughs) So then it's into my adult life where I am um, working 40, 60 hours a week as an education director for a massage school, um, eating probably some fast food, watching a talk show that showed these life-changing diets, or at least evaluating these different diets. And the one that jumped out at me was a 30-day raw food Uh, lifestyle. And I was like, lean in, I'm doing it. I lived in Las Vegas at the time. I had access to all kinds of things. In fact, even restaurants that had raw living food. So I jumped in and I was a raw foodist uh, for over a year, but within a very short period of time, I dropped 70 pounds easily. um, And it really inspired me to say, wow, food is medicine. I better become a naturopathic doctor. And I had always looked at it over the years. Um, But that's when I was really like, I want to help other people have this happen, transform. Awesome. So why do people seek your your help today? I mean, what were they afflicted with? Are are you like their last resort or, or, you know, what's going on? Why do people seek your help? 
Well, it's an excellent question because originally I started off with like the word, um, if anybody's heard the acronym SIBO or SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, I would say six years ago, people, it was a small group of people and now it might be a lot of people have heard it, right? So I niched into that because I had the condition myself. And so now people see me because they've been everywhere. They've done all the protocols. They've spent thousands of dollars. They've maybe even been to multiple specialists around the world even. And I've really honed in on, I'm kind of that super nerd on the biome. Um, hey, that's really the small intestine versus the large intestine. If you're referring to CFO, I'm kind of like, well, hang on a second. How are you testing for that? Because that's actually... I watch the research and I know those people who are doing very, very detailed work on the microbiome of the small intestine. It's very difficult to actually get that data. So those are the things that I like to educate people on as gently and you know, with all due professional courtesy to anyone who's been trying to help them. However, oftentimes there's a lot missing such as the individual risk factors of the person or what I like to say is I wanna tell you your story back to you because you're not a protocol. You are an N of one, you are a snowflake. And when you understand your story, then you can navigate moving forward what's gonna work best for you. I, as a doctor, don't want to say, this is for that. Awesome. So speaking of epigenetics, let's dive into that a little bit. And you talk about this on your website a little bit. But for our listeners, just describe for them what, what is epigenetics and, and how does that apply to, to your patients? The CDC defines epigenetics as the way that things, actions and behaviors, or even our environment change the way our genes work. So these are what I call like the light switches. Great examples are, for example, when I was overweight, right? That put more burden on my system. And then when you lose weight, you have less burden on the system and it can function better. Um, for example, if someone's smoking tobacco or, or even cannabis, you know, there's different things that we have to consider what are the other effects. So we might be getting some anti-inflammatory effects on one hand, or some nerving, you know, from nicotine. But of course we have to look at um, the other consequences, right? Or side effects as people refer to it as. And we also have the placebo effect, which is how is that individual, that own mind going to respond? Yeah, and every time I think of epigenetics, I think of uh, this picture where people, um, they used to, they have these pets, right? And they love their pets. And sometimes they get, they, they want to clone their pets. You know, they love this one so much that they want to clone. And when they clone the pet, it doesn't look much like the previous pet. And it all came down to epigenetics. It came to the environment that, that made them a different fur color or look different or larger or whatever. And so that's really what we're talking about as far as our environment affecting uh, our genetics and, and our, our overall health. Is that right? Even exactly. That's an excellent example. And or, you know, because they're like, oh, I want Furby, right? I want uh -huh. this dog back. Um, or we can also look at um, identical twins, right? That's another nature nurture example mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, you know what? They're still individuals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know another area I know that you're, uh, you've mentioned, it's on your website a lot, you're very passionate about is really your gut health and your gut biome. I mean, um, I don't think people pay enough attention to their gut health or really understand 
uh, how that impacts their overall well-being. Can you can you describe that for us? Yes, I think that it's what I call what I like to say is when do we stop talking about our diapers? Right. So we have the beginning of when we talk about diapers and we have the end when we talk about diapers. But what's the in between, you know, and that's actually where the science is, uh, the Stanford scientists uh, for the microbiome. They, they do. They research diapers. So, yeah, I, I think that people really need to understand that just because the drugstore or like over the counters for so many acid or diarrhea, like these things aren't exactly, quote unquote, normal. And I use that gently. Um, so how do we look at gut health? Yes, we've had a guest who even talked about it from the beginning, right? How, what are the foods that we're introducing from the beginning? And yes, people can have, and there's great research on very specific foods that can be inflammatory and or adjust our microbiome. And I actually have, for example, if somebody says, oh, we have to be gluten and dairy free, these are inflammatory, that's the evidence. I say, yes, but there's also evidence from the NIH that showed pe people who, by way of people using these stool tests, they have mm -hmm. a lot of data to work from. And they said, actually, people who have gone restrictive there, more specifically dairy for an extended period of time, were having interesting other microbes that were um, opportunistic, we'll call it, that they hadn't seen. Or they'll say, well, we actually only see this in immune compromised and or cancer patients. And they found when they looked back, as we connect the dots back, that, oh, wow, this is an interesting um, trend that we can now say, is this indeed the best thing? for us, right? Because we've been through many a trend, fat-free, of this, of that, you know? So I take everything with a grain of potassium. So that, that's starting there. And then with gut health, a lot of people, or it's become increasingly popular to say, oh, I have to be on a probiotic. They have to be on it. They have to figure it out. It's this quest. Um, and I am on the contrary of that. I stand very firm that I do not recommend any probiotics just to get your attention, <laughs> right? And then I say, okay, then we have a little bit of a guideline. Now, when I'm saying probiotics, I'm very being specific with oral probiotics, because again, this is a not regulated industry. Mm -hmm. And there can be things that are actually sub- I won't get too deep into it, but that can actually be triggering an immune system or triggering somebody's condition versus helping the condition. And again, I call it the zoom in, zoom out of like a microscope. Do we zoom into the cell and or the study about this particular species and we make an assumption or, you know, we gather, gather this data and it might even be in an animal study. And then we zoom out and we say, everybody needs this particular species. And we don't take into consideration again, where do they, you know, all of the individualization, okay? So I, I do kind of say, hang on a second, do we need a probiotic or do we need diverse food? Do we need clean food and nutrient food from soil that is actually in the right pH, et cetera, because we are all living beings that need the right pH, the right microbes to thrive ideally. So, I mean, probiotics are all the rage right now. I mean, it's, it's, you see a lot more commercials for them and they're you know, it, it's hard to believe that they're all the same. And I think you got a very good approach to it. It's like, there's a lot more you have to look at rather than just the general vanilla, everyone needs to take a probiotic. Is that right? 
Correct. And at the same time, if somebody says this is the best, I always watch people's body language. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to stop as many supplements as possible because I like to reset things and I want them to very, very clearly see what everything does. I mean, as to the most of possible, right? If they shrug mm-hmm. their shoulders, I'll say, okay, yeah, I was kind of expecting that. Um, but probiotics can be really, really uh, enlightening for people. And, or I had one uh, gentleman, again, traveling all over the world. And, and when he finally was like, wow, it was this one olive on the charcuterie board. Like I didn't even, uh-huh. and it was like, wow. And I liked them to have that aha and that intuition of their own body and saying, you know, yeah, I don't know. I just love that part. Yeah. And it can say, well, sometimes maybe you can have some tzatziki on this, but just a tablespoon. It's the, when we're doing the, I the, the kombucha and yogurt and sauerkraut. Oh my, right. If we're, and you're taking multiple, um, supplements on top of that, then of course I'm a SIBO a bacterial overgrowth expert. So I kind of say, Hmm, maybe we should take some things out of the traffic jam. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, do I use probiotics in other ways? Have I used them as a nasal wash, as a vaginal douche, like in air as a topical on, on the skin? Absolutely. So yeah. That's what, yeah. So let's, let's just talk more in general terms. I mean, we're, we're in the United States here where there's um, an obesity issue. I mean, there's we're, we're very unhealthy in general <laughs> and for lots of different reasons. And we could, we could talk for hours on all those different reasons, but if you could just share, you know, you're, you're a healthcare professional, you, you were passionate about it. You've uh, written several articles. Um, you know, you've got a, you've got a large background on this, but if you could gather the entire country, if not the entire world into a room and and give them advice on how to improve their health or what what's the most important thing that you could communicate to essentially the world <laughs> oh wow so probiotics is actually that, that's number one um because like i just want to say don't assume and be uh-huh. very careful because i i actually gained weight taking so you know like um and i'll okay i'll be more specific there is a microbe it's technically not a bacteria it's an archaea and it produces methane and the methane-producing archaea, and this is not SIBO, it's actually called intestinal methane overgrowth or methanogen overgrowth, hmm. because these microbes can be in the entire length of the colon. And so that's where we're saying, okay, and it can be seen in the small intestine. So the concept there is that these microbes, if we think back as being hunter-gatherers, when these microbes, they are going to maintain our calories. They want to, they love fat. And so, for example, and this was me actually going to weight loss centers in my early 20s. And I'd say, look, I am only eating 15 or 1200 calories, yet I was gaining weight. And it was that, oh, you must be cheating. Oh, you must. And I mean, it was talk about mind not right and i'm like actually i'm not and now that i know the research and there are studies on this is that the methane can exponentiate those calories so it was that i was eating the 1500 calories however and now that was great when we were right back in times of famine you know of less and or right seasons etc and yet that's not so great for our current industrialized and you know, having more toxins, et cetera, that can just stir that soup. So that's the number one thing that I'd like to get across to people, especially anyone struggling, whether you have two pounds to lose or a hundred pounds to lose, 
is that please actually, I mean, that was a big eye-opening um, to know that these microbes were part of my weight yo-yo struggle, whatever the word is. Um, they've actually done studies to show with bariatric um, patients that they will lose less weight when this methane is present. So imagine if you go through all of that surgery and you're like, this is it, this is mm -hmm. gonna work for me. And you know, I actually I know somebody that that's happened to. And I, I've been able to say, hey, you might have this microbe. Now, not everybody hears you, but at least you can show the horse to water. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's, that's uh, fantastic advice for people. Um, and I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, you, you could actually amplify the, the calorie effect of, of your food with, if you have that, that microbe in your, in your gut. That's, that's amazing. Right. And so if you're also having like a higher fat, like the keto, other, anything higher, um, if you epigenetically aren't absorbing, right? So let's say you have SIBO, so you're not absorbing the fat properly. Um, and for example, this was me, my vitamin D levels came back as a four, one, two, three, four. <laughs> we know that we need vitamin D at the cellular level to um, activate thyroid. So again, there's mm -hmm. all these little pieces that I'm kind of also putting together for people. We got to clean the house and then we need to look at what's their genetic potential to also absorb it. Do they maybe need some um, assistance with their bile production, et cetera. So that, that's how we get to the end of one and, and personalize things for people. Awesome. Well, I think, I think we've covered it, right? We've covered diapers, we've covered the soup, we've covered all the different analogies we can come up with with our, our gut and, and the gut health and our, our healthy biome there. Last question for you, Dr. Melanie, is where can our audience go to learn more about you and, or how to, how to connect with you? Yes, my website is drmelanynd.com. And that's also my social media handle um, on Facebook, Instagram and Clubhouse. Awesome, great. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for, for being with us today. And uh, I hope our audience enjoyed our discussion today. And we hope you join us next time when we discuss another topic related to your good health. Thank you so much, Dr. Melanie, for joining us today. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>